0: We have things that continually happen that are not what we expected. Amen? If that's not true for you, just wait a couple hours. Something unexpected will happen. Sometimes it's something we were hoping wouldn't happen. Sometimes it's the opposite of what we hoped would happen. And sometimes it's just a total surprise. But the unexpected as the popular saying goes, should be expected. Of course, if it was expected, it wouldn't be unexpected. But what it really means is we should realize there will be unexpected moments, events, and situations. Last week, we began a new series entitled The Unexpected Life. Because the unexpected is a part of life. And this morning, we're taking a look in the New Testament, in the Gospel of John, chapter 11. We're going to begin reading at verse 17. The story itself actually starts earlier than that. It may or may not be familiar to you. It's the story of Lazarus. Lazarus who died and was brought back to life. Spoiler alert. Unexpected. His death was somewhat unexpected from what we can read between the lines, and certainly his resurrection was unexpected by all except Christ himself. Sometimes the unexpected is joyous, like this. Sometimes it's not so much. The question is what do you do when things don't go as you expected? When they don't go as you had hoped. When they go, in fact, the exact opposite way. How do you handle that? We began last week looking at Paul and Silas thrown into jail after the Lord had changed their plans and sent them to a place they had not planned to go. Can you imagine if you hadn't planned to do that and God directed you and then in God's direction you get thrown in jail? After being beaten and after having done nothing wrong except preach the gospel. I don't know about you, but I might be going, what? Or why, Lord? Paul and Silas didn't do that. In fact, the scripture tells us in Acts there that they worshiped and they were singing songs. And God then did a miraculous thing that I encourage you to go back and take a look at in Acts chapter 16. But let me just remind you, for those of you that were here or tuning in, and those of you that weren't, let me bring you up to speed. Last week, we looked at the fact that when things don't go as we planned, we still need to start by doing what we already know to do. There are many things we already know to do. We just need to do them. Paul and Silas were doing that. Secondly, We need to not be surprised by the unexpected nor by the hardships that come in life. Following Christ does not guarantee us to have no problems. Jesus went to the cross. Paul and Silas were beaten and imprisoned. Paul was left for dead more than once. I mean, we should not be surprised about hardships. And number three, We need to give God praise anyway. Now, don't misunderstand. I don't mean that we should praise him for the bad stuff. But we praise him for still being God. As Tony said at the beginning, God is still God. In the good times and in the bad times, God is still God. And we give him praise that he is still God, that he still loves us, that he still forgives, that his grace is still amazing. I don't know about you, but if when we walk out of here today, I see a flat tire on the vehicle we drove, I'm not going to have the first thing that comes to my mind. Well, praise the Lord. Just honest. But we praise him no matter what because he is always worthy of our praise. Number four, we need to look and listen For the unexpected opportunities. In those unexpected moments. God still provides opportunities. And we need to see them. And seize them. And then lastly. We need to learn to live boldly. Even in the unexpected. Take a look with me here. In John chapter 11. We're going to pick this up. At verse 17 of this story. I encourage you to read The whole thing at some point on your own. It says now when Jesus came. He found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb. Four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary. To console them concerning their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming. She went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. What a greeting. In verse 22, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. At his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The sisters have a lot in common, don't they? Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor. That's to put it mildly. For he had been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. The unexpected. I want to insert a couple of thoughts here. At the beginning that are not really part of the message. Although since I'm saying them I guess they are. But they're not a part of the points of the message. Recognize from this story. This truth in the gospel. That God loves to bring dead things back to life. Things that you thought were dead in your life. Dreams and hopes and gifts. And abilities. Opportunities. God loves to bring those back to life. God loves to bring things that are buried back out so that they can be exposed, healed, or disposed of, whichever is needed. God calls us to be unbound from our past, just like with Lazarus. And God uses all of us to help bring release to others. Notice in verse 44. That Jesus didn't go down and unwrap Lazarus. He told those around him to unwrap him. We all have a part to play. Back to the message. The first thing. If we're living this unexpected life. And living it following God's direction. Number one. We need to recognize that God's timing is better than ours. Oh that's a hard one to learn. At least it is for me. Have you ever told God when he should do something and had him not do it at that time? But God's timing is better than ours. I know that from experience in my own life as well as in scripture, though I must admit that quite often, maybe almost always, when it doesn't go according to my timing, I forget that his timing is better than mine. We must live in the recognition that God's timing is better than ours. It doesn't mean we don't ask for things in what we understand to be the right time, but that we keep seeking his time. And when it comes at a different time, we still give him praise. God's timing is better than ours. It has proven true throughout scripture. It has proven true in all of our lives as well. And I don't know about you, but... In recent weeks, I've been struggling with this one because some stuff I planned is going to happen at a different time. But struggle or not, it's still true. His timing is better than ours. So trust his timing. Trust God's timing. You may need to look back to be reminded of how he worked in the past. But his timing is always better than ours. So keep praying. When it doesn't happen in your time, keep praying. When it happens at a different time, keep praying. When it still hasn't happened yet, keep praying. For you see, in those prayers, God answers all of our prayers. He just doesn't always say yes or doesn't always say yes in our time. A pastor friend of mine, Charles Lake, used to say that there were three answers. No. Yes. Or the Lord saying, I got a better idea. Trust His timing because we need to trust His heart through all of this. Secondly, leave room for God to work in your life, leave room for Him to work in ways you couldn't have imagined. Martha and Mary both, their first words to Jesus were, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. Look, God had a better idea. We need to leave room for him to work. I need to be reminded of this one. This point might be for me alone, but you're going to hear it anyway. And that is, don't plan God out of your situation. I have a tendency to get the plan underway and then say, okay, Lord, do your thing instead of going, Lord, what do you want to do? And let me plan accordingly. It'd be so much easier if I would just wait on his plan because his plan is already blessed instead of making my plans and then begging God to bless those plans. Don't plan God out of your situation. So often we leave Him out of the plan and then ask Him to bless it when it's ours, not His. Leave room for God to work even in your unexpected circumstances, which means you need to look for God in the margins, on the edges, in those places you didn't imagine it ahead of time. In other words, in the unexpected. See, God loves to work on the edges and take care of those things and then take care of the whole. He loves to work in the small places of our lives as much as he does in the big stuff. Because usually when we get out of balance with God, it's because of the little stuff that is added up, not the big thing. When we move away from God, we don't run. We start to step away or slide away. We start to slowly back off from what we know to be right. That's why last week we started with do what you already know to do. Look for God in the margins. Look for his hand even in those unexpected places. Just like we need to look for the opportunities in those unexpected places. Don't plan God out. Number something. I don't remember what we're on. Realize that God cares deeply for you and your circumstances. It is um, widely said that the easiest scripture to memorize is John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. I mean, you just memorized the scripture right there. But we say that and miss the meaning of it. He wept at seeing the hurt and the heartache of those around Lazarus. He wept at realizing the grief they were going through. You need to understand. I don't think any of us grasp this enough. That Jesus Christ is passionately and unconditionally In love with you. He cares. He cares about what you're going through. And what you're about to go through. See too often. When the unexpected happens. We go why God. Don't you love me anymore. And in fact he's going yes. I love you even in this. We need to remember his timing so that we don't begin to move away from him in those moments and forget how much he cares for us. He cares for the big stuff and the little stuff. He cares for the center and the margins. He just cares for you. Our best witness to those who don't know Christ might be simply to let them know Jesus Christ loves you. And some of you need to tattoo this on your heart and mind. Jesus loves me. The greatest worship songs ever written was the children's song that has much more meaning as adults. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. He loves us. He loves you. Okay, we're going to break character for a moment. You're going to participate. I didn't say you might. You're going to. We're going to together say, speaking it to ourselves, Jesus loves me. So we're going to do this and you're going to say it out loud. Yes, you are. Here we go together. Jesus loves me. Now I want you to turn and look towards someone else. If no one's seated next to you, just look further away. If someone is, turn to them and say, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. You realize you can do that tomorrow to people you see? Jesus loves me. Jesus loves you. In the unexpected, he still loves you. In the unexpected, he cares for you. He weeps over what hurts us. Even when he knows it's going to get better. But we don't recognize it. So he weeps with us. The scripture tells us in fact he collects our tears. He cares for you. He cares for me. We can handle the unexpected so much greater. If we simply remember that basic truth. Jesus loves me. Now, some of you, in hearing that or trying to say that, you had trouble saying that because in your mind, you heard that little whisper that says, not you. You heard that little whisper that said, no, 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 because of whatever it is. Something in the past, something current, something you've thought, something you've said, something you've done, something you didn't do. But that little whisper is not true. Jesus loves you. Just like you are. But he also loves you so much. He doesn't want you to stay. Just like you are. The first church I pastored. As a senior pastor. Had a lady. Wonderful lady. Grown up in the church. But had such a mixed up view. Of this whole thing. Of God loving her. And forgiving her. I remember speaking with her. At services. And counseling with her. At other times. And. She's just going, if I could just quit doing this, then I could come to God. I go, no, that's not how it works. Just come. She's going, I I get this together, then I can start to serve him. I go, no, that's not how it works. You just come now. Go back and study the crucifixion. There was a thief known. (laughs) Proven thief hanging on the cross beside Jesus. Who came to faith in Christ while on the cross. He didn't have time to fix anything. Just come. Jesus loves you. So I don't know enough. All you have to know is he loves you. That's the essence of all of this. And if I keep remembering that Jesus loves me, then the unexpected is not quite so devastating. Then the unexpected becomes something we can work through with him because he's still in control and he loves me. And if he loves me, I know he has my best in mind, which means he's gonna work through this for my good. Don't misunderstand Not everything that happens to us is good. But God will work through the situation. The not so good situations for your good. I've said about some stuff in my life in the past. That I would have given anything to have not gone through it. To have not done what caused the situation. But I wouldn't trade what I learned in those moments. For anything. I'm not sure which of you, but I know some of you desperately need to hear and believe Jesus loves you right now, right here, wherever you are. And some of you need to begin saying that to some others. You don't have to have any fancy words, you don't have to have great theology. This is the best theology there is. Jesus loves me. Even though he knows me, (laughs) that's the most amazing part of it. And then, lastly, God desires to unwrap you of anything that is keeping you buried. It is so amazing to me this scene at the grave. Jesus gets there and it says, once more deeply moved. This is after he's already wept. And he tells him to move the stone. Martha, the practical, let's finish our list of things we have to do. Martha says, no, no, no. Have you ever told God no? I mean, like, Lord, that's not what you want to do? Yes, you have. (laughs) I have too. Now, her reason was practical. Lord, he's been buried four days. We don't do embalming at this point. So the body has begun to decay. And even though we wrapped him and put spices on him, he stinks. Jesus goes, that's okay. Because you see, Jesus loves you even when we stink. (laughs) Jesus loves you even when you're wrapped up. In all the chunk of the past or the present. He said, move the stone. Let's get rid of the obstacles. We need to recognize this. When Jesus told them, take away the stone. Martha intervened. And Jesus told her, verse 40. Did I not tell you if you believed you would see the glory of God? He didn't say, here's what I'm about to do. He just said, if you believe. I'm about to show you the glory. We need to understand how much God desires to unwrap us of anything, keeping us buried, keeping us out of his will, keeping us hesitating to do what we know to do. For you see, trying to live all wrapped up, doesn't allow us to live as God intended. When we are all wrapped up in the past, when we are all wrapped up in what so and so did or didn't do, what they did to us or didn't do to us, or what we've done, we cannot live as God intended. One, you're not free. And two, that's not in God's will. God wants to unwrap us and unbind us from all that stuff. You see, God desires us also to help others get free. Part of our calling is to let others know it's possible to get unwrapped. It's possible to break free. It is possible to break the chains, the memories, the scars. And I believe... That we really need to recognize this. And that is that we must step away from anything that is killing our relationships. Told Lazarus, get out of the grave. Have you ever thought about the fact that Lazarus didn't have to come out? Jesus didn't, you know, wave a magic wand and levitate him out of there. Lazarus walked out. After Jesus called, I've always said I think he called in a loud voice because Lazarus was pretty comfortable in there. And for some of you, he's having to scream (laughs) because you've gotten really used to the way you're living and the stuff that you're wrapped up in. He's screaming your name as well as whispering it. But we've got to step away just like Lazarus did from anything that's killing our relationship. pretty hard to have a relationship when you're buried. Right? And I, as I already said, am so impressed. It was our district superintendent, Reverend Lloyd Brock, that talked about this recently. And it just hit home with me that Jesus isn't the one that unwrapped Lazarus. He told the others to do it. But look at what he says in verse 45. Excuse me, verse 44. says, unbind him... And let him go. You can't unwrap him if they don't want to get unwrapped. Because Lazarus had to come out of the grave. But he came out. And they unwrapped him. And Lazarus went on and lived a full life after that. What do you need to get unwrapped from? What are you wrapped up in right now? That's hindering what God wants to do in your life. There's a song that I love. It's called Glorious Day. We've sung it a few times. I'm asking the worship team to come and lead us in singing this in closing. What I love is this song talks about this fact of Lazarus and it also talks about for any of us, but the greatest line is it says, I ran out of that grave. Lazarus came out, still wrapped up. Don't run. You don't have to unwrap yourself. Come on out, we'll help you. Come on out, the Lord will direct somebody to help get that stuff out of you and off of you. What are you wrapped up in? Are you allowing God to work in your situation even in the margins? Are you helping somebody else become free? We've been called to do that. Let's stand together and sing this as a testimony. And if there's something in this moment that you recognize needs to get unwrapped, just like Lazarus, come on out. You can come down as a testimony to kneel or stand near the altar saying, I'm coming out of the grave, Lord. Let me be free for whatever you have for me to do.